Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Hey everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Washerman back with you for the 135th um, of Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition. Uh, we, uh, we talk here uh, every week, every Monday, except for holidays, uh, on issues of election protection and of the environment. We've got a full boat uh, for you today. Um, we are going to talk about an amazing group. Uh, we, they've been on about a year, year or so ago uh, called uh, a, a Med Abolish Medical Debt with Jerry Ashton, and they abolish medical debt. They actually pay off people's medical debt, and uh, it's really uh, a very, very successful and amazing uh, organization. So we're happy to talk about them uh, with them today. Uh, and now we're going to start off with that. Um, we are going to uh, talk with Wendy Lederman, who's in the um, the heart of America's number one fascist state, uh, Florida, where democracy goes to die. We're going to hear the latest about um, uh, Ron DeSantis, especially the astonishing revelation that he was actually a torturer at Guantanamo. You participated in actual torture as now being revealed by people who suffered through it at his hands. Um, uh, we're going to talk a bit about Zoe Zephyr. Uh, I did not hear from her. I had hoped to have her on, uh, but I did list her name because we do want to, or, or um, uh, uh, her name or the them, I'm not sure what her pronouns are, but um, uh, uh, she is a member of the Montana legislature who's been censored. And I want to discuss her case and hopefully she'll join us um, on a future call. Uh, uh, Wendy also has a report on Cop City, uh, the incredible fight in Atlanta to preserve uh, the forests there. Uh, then in the second hour, we're going to be joined by Carly, Charlie Komanoff, who's a, 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 a major uh, energy uh, economist who has an article in uh, the recent Nation magazine on the energy consumption involved with Bitcoin, which is actually a very big deal. And we also are going to be talking to Kevin Camps of the uh, Beyond Nuclear Organization, who's going to talk to us about a nuclear reactor, an infamous, infamous nuclear reactor in near Toledo, Ohio, uh, as opposed to Toledo, Spain, uh, the Davis-Vesey reactor, which is actually sinking, physically sinking. This is this is the second reactor I know of that that's ha happened to the. There was a reactor that, had, thankfully, had not yet gone online in Midland, Michigan which was sinking and they finally just, they stopped it. It didn't get finished, but um, uh, Davis Vesey has been operating for more than 40 years. <laughs> it's just sinking into the ground. What can I tell you? So we will get to all that uh, in a few minutes, but we wanna, we like organizations that actually accomplish tangible victories. And um, uh, uh, also I wanna mention very quickly, Rob Call is on with us the first time. Rob is the editor and publisher of a truly great website, Op-Ed News. And uh, Rob, if you'll put the links in the chat and maybe just say hi to us uh, so we can hear your voice. Uh, you are a legend in the, the world of internet publishing and it's really an honor to have you on. So this is Rob Call. Uh, thank you for, I've asked to unmute. Can we unmute you here, Rob? Um, no, there we go. You got me? Hey, Rob, say hi. Hi. So uh, Marta Steele, who's one of the uh, senior editors at Op-Ed News, uh, is a regular visiting here. So she invited me and told me about it and how much she enjoyed it. So I, I'm I'm here to, to see what you guys are up to. And it's Good. Well, we're, so much for your kind words. It's uh, to labor love. It is indeed. Uh, well, as the great... Um, uh, A.J. Musty uh, uh, described what it, what it is to have a life as an activist. He said the pay's no good, but the work is steady. So uh, <laughs> we all know that to be true. But I argue that the pay is great because you get up every day, you do something you love, you work with great people, and at night you know 
that you made it a better world. So how can you have better pay than that? Yeah, uh, okay. Drop so I got one thing I was hoping I'd hear some discussion about. You know, and a poll came out in the last week showing that 80% of Democrats don't want Biden to be the candidate for president. And uh, I'm just curious what the folks are thinking about. Uh, I know I sure don't want Biden uh, as the next president. And uh, I, I. We can get to that later. If we can, let, let's let Jerry Ashton speak his piece, because once we start talking about that, the question is if not Biden, who? I mean, I'm for I'm for Bruce Springsteen, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen. We have actually discussed. My buddy Dave Saltman is on the on the line here. He's on the on the show, and um, he has advocated uh, that um, uh, Michelle Obama run, but uh, and and I think she'd win actually. But I saw her on. I never thought I'd do this, but she's so charismatic, Michelle. I saw her on for a full, I don't know, hour and a half with Oprah. And normally I wouldn't watch, but she, I, I turned it on, I really couldn't turn her off. I mean, she is really something else, but at the end she made it very, very clear that she does not want to run. Yeah, and she, so what can I tell you? Just as neoliberal as her husband too. Well, hopefully a little better, but we'll, you yeah. know, we'll see. But so we'll so I'll throw that. my crazy, silly one out that people can laugh at. Uh, when I see John Stewart talking politics, he's brilliant. He's deeply informed. He's smart. He's articulate. I would love to see him debate any Republican candidate. Well, and I would too. Zelensky, who's, a, who's a comedian. As a president uh, or a candidate, he's got two strikes against him. He's Jewish and he's short. So, you know, in the 20th century, it's true. And every this is this is a historical fact. Really the short in the 20th part. century, every uh, candidate who was the taller candidate won. And John Stewart looks to me about five, six, five, seven. So I don't know. Anyway, we'll do one fireman and then we're gonna go to Jerry Ashton, and then we'll come back to this. We 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 need to discuss this further. Okay, thanks for bringing that up, Rob. I appreciate it. Um, Lynn Feinerman, you had a hand, and then we're going to go to Jerry. Yes, thank you. Um, I would say to Rob Call that uh, we need to focus on finding somebody who has a different vision of foreign policy. We have had so many Democrats and Republicans who come from the Council on Foreign Relations. It is the same um, blank every time we get these neo whatever they are, uh, and they either foment wars or they keep wars going. So I, I think that if we're gonna choose somebody, we really need to um, not, uh, not say, oh, well, if they're good domestic, I guess we can live with them foreign-wise. No, there's no difference now. There's no division. Right. I will point out that um, uh, both Marianne Williamson and Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, have different foreign policies. And by the way, uh, uh, Marianne Williamson will join us in person um, at the end of the month. I think it's May 29th or May 30th. The last Saturday of May, we will have Marianne Williamson with her. I've known her for many, many years. I have to say in due humility that two of my books, um, one on Solartopia, uh, A Green Powered Earth, uh, was, in, was introduced by Bobby Kennedy and one called A Glimpse of the Big Light uh, about the passing of my parents was introduced by Marianne Williamson. So I have talked to uh, Dennis Kucinich about who's gonna be Bobby's campaign manager about having Bobby on the campaign, on the, on the call. I don't know, I probably can get Dennis on the call, but we definitely have uh, Marianne lined up. Uh, I had dinner with her in New York last week and she's great. And, uh, and she and Bobby both have different foreign policies. I will guarantee you that. So, um, uh, and thank you, Lynn. We'll come back to this. Let's let's give Jerry um, uh, his his uh, time here. Jerry Ashton, are you unmuted? Let's see. Uh, there you are. Okay, I'll ask to unmute. And uh, it's great to have everybody on. We have forty six people with us to start. I want to welcome my listeners at Progressive Radio Network, who will be with us. Thursday night. Uh, we do this uh, every week. We rebroadcast 
of Thursday night on PRN, Progressive Radio Network, at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time in New York City, but it's podcast. I also want to welcome my old buddy, Charlie Komanoff. Uh, Charlie, it's good to see you. Uh, can you hear me, Charlie? Wave your hand. Um, Charlie Komanoff, Charles Komanoff, can you see me? Can you hear me? Apparently not. All right, well, let's let's see if he, he comes with us. Jerry Ashton, uh, go ahead, please. Um, introduce yourself, your organization, what you can do. You, if you can give us five to 10 minutes on your project and we'll get questions and we can celebrate your accomplishments. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Jerry Ashton, I have a apartment in the city. I live in Connecticut where I'm talking to you from. Uh, I had a very long career as a bill collector. Uh, accounts receivable controls, we called it, and had a successful career, sort of semi-retired around 2000 or so. And then along came something called Occupy Wall Street. Uh, being a former Navy journalist, um, I, always, I had a pen and I had a camera, so I decided to catch a subway. There are a few stops from where I live in the city, Zuccotti Park. So I went down to Zuccotti Park, prepared to chronicle what was happening. And as I was, I started joining different active groups. And what they had to say began to resonate with me. Uh, certainly, there were enough wrongs that Occupy Wall Street was bringing to people's attention in a unique fashion that had never been done quite in that fashion. So <clears throat> here I am, a bill collector, Wall Street's enforcer in the middle of a bunch of occupiers, and they discovered that there's a bill collector in their midst. And the reason they did is because whenever someone would start complaining about a bill collector chasing them, I'd be more than happy to give them some advice. Uh, in some cases, students would talk to me about their student loan debt. I'd give them some advice on that. So. I was summoned to a meeting at the new college and around the table were a bunch of uh, folks, academics, business people, students. And they said, uh, we know a little bit about you. They obviously checked me out. I know a little bit about you and I believe that you might be able to help us with what we're doing. And I said, well, exactly what is it you're doing? And they said, what we're going to do is we're going to go out and uh, create a 501c4. And then we're going to get money. And then we're going to go to the debt market where medical debt is bought and sold for pennies or less. And we're going to buy a million dollars worth of medical debt. And then we're going to abolish it. And I said, well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm afraid, however, <clears throat> it's going to be seen by a lot of people mostly as a gesture because a million dollars worth of medical debt in my world is a rounding error. And they said, well, let's, let's look at it through our eyes. We don't believe that in any civilized nation, certainly as wealthy as we are, should allow someone to go bankrupt, to lose their home just because they got sick or because they got injured. I said, well, yeah, I got that. Uh, and a rounding error for you is news. To be able to go to an operation like that and buy medical debt and then abolish it. So we're, we're, we're looking to get the word out. As a, as a Navy journalist, I couldn't argue that either. And they said, uh, and in your case, if your medical debt had been in the million dollars that we would have abolished, would you have considered that to be a casual thing? And I said, what would you like me to do? And that's when I joined uh, Occupy Wall Street with the Rolling Jubilee, that was the name of the charity. I brought a friend of mine, Craig Antico, who used to work with me in the industry, and he had connections in the debt buying world. So we became the back office for Occupy. Nobody knew about us. Our job was to do all the work. Uh, they would raise the money. 
we would go to the debt market, we'd buy it, they'd forgive it. And that worked out very well for a little while, a couple of years, year and a half or so. And then Zuccotti was closed off, Occupy began to dissipate, and the Rolling Jubilee came up to us and said, uh, we're going to go in another direction. And that, by the way, is student debt. So <clears throat> Craig and I looked at each other and we said, uh, we can't let this happen. We read the letters. We knew what was happening out there. We saw how medical debt off of people's backs gave them a new life. Uh, uh, somebody actually cared enough. So we started RIP, that's rest in peace, medical debt, January of 2014, with the intention of abolishing $1 billion worth of medical debt. Now, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. But that was a pretty good idea. We had to have a pretty exciting goal in order to make this, this thing uh, exciting for us. So indeed, we became uh, a charity, and we starved to death for the first two, one and a half, two years. Uh, painful. But then a miracle happened. Someone by the name of John Oliver, I'm sure oh. you know him. Yeah. John Oliver decided he was going to pull the trick on Oprah, and he was going to give away more than she gave away. She gave away $7 million for the cars. He said, I'll give away $15 million for the medical debt. And he, his, his crew uh, had gone out and researched it and they made up a collection agency on the internet and they were approached by debt buyers. They paid $60,000 of HBO's money to buy that debt. And then the attorney said, what are you doing? You can't go forgiving medical debt as a comedian. And so basically he was forced into <laughs> searching for some other alternative way to be able to out Oprah Oprah. And uh, fortunately for him, long story, but we ended up in the uh, offices of HBO and we said what we do and how we do it. We had all the credentials. And so we agreed to take that burden of abolishing medical debt from their backs. And as a 501c3, we could abolish it with no uh, medical or, excuse me, tax consequences to the recipient. Well, that was fun. And we worked out some other deals so we could afford to send out the letters of forgiveness as well. And so that evening, two weeks later, when he had the big show and he announced the fact he was going to be the new queen of daytime TV, and he says, I'm, I'm going to give away $15 million of medical debt. Our logo appears before his shoulders, above his shoulders. Wow. And then he goes over to big red button, hits the big red button. Money comes down through the ceiling. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Uh, and our website crashes. <laughs> that's called awareness. And that's when I got the first realization that if anything's gonna be able to succeed, they gotta know it exists. If they don't know so, about so, they so can't. Jerry, can you put your links in the chat? What's that? Will you put your links in the chat? Oh, sure, happily. Let me ask you a question. Sure. How much money have you raised and how much medical debt have you retired? Well, I want you to know I failed miserably at the 1 billion. Uh, most recently, our numbers are $8.5 billion. What? $8.5 billion with a B, dollars. And that's for 5.4 million Americans across the continent and Alaska. You raised $8.5 billion? No, we didn't raise $8.5 billion. We abolished $8.5 billion. Because when you buy debt, it's a penny on the dollar. $10,000, if you come to my organization now, let's rethink this, or to RIP, and you work with me, I can buy a million dollars of the medical debt for 10 grand and abolish it in your name. How do you choose whose medical debt you abolish? Uh, you don't choose individuals. What happens is that medical debt is bought and sold on the market 
in, in parcels, bundles, usually millions at a time. As I said, $10,000, that's a million dollars worth of some hospitals debt. So when we buy millions of dollars at a time, we buy a, a portfolio, we don't know who's in it. There's no special dispensation. We just do our job. We buy that debt. We go through it and we look for people that are four times the poverty level or below. Uh, we look for people that are um, in uh, extreme uh, financial difficulty. And then we, by algorithms, we just say, congratulations. And a letter goes out and says, you know that $15,422.82 bill that you owe Providence Hospital? That's gone. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, do you personally know who get who wins the, the lottery here? Oh yeah, why we have we have of course all their names. This is all privileged information. We we don't even share it among each other, other than the fact that we give raw numbers. Like for example, uh, on in my new enterprise, which is more towards veterans, uh, we give a what we uh, abolish a million dollars worth of medical debt at the end of every month to celebrate. And in this celebration. We buy the medical debt. I buy it just like any civilian does, even though I'm on the I'm on the board now. So I buy the debt, and we forgive it, uh, and we use it to create awareness because it gets people's attention, just like it got your attention. How much? For whom? What's the trick? What's the scam? That's what people used to ask me when I first started it. Wow. So I, can you can you disclose? How much money you've actually you, you've paid off eight and a half billion dollars yeah. worth of debt? How much money did that cost to do that? That that costs. Anybody got your calculator out? <laughs> no, I have a pen and paper. You, you divide eight point five billion by one one hundredths. So we paid one one hundredths of eight point five billion. <laughs> Great work, Steve. Okay. I don't know how many billions you can get up there. <laughs> wow, that that is mind boggling. But I can tell you this much: I think uh, Bezos has an ex-wife. Have you ever heard of her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, she heard uh, about us. Mackenzie, Mackenzie Scott, Scott. Right. Yes. Well, she heard about us. It does help. And thank you, all you journalists and all you alt journalists for getting out the word about things so people be aware of it. She became aware of our charity. And secretly, she started investigating RIP medical debt, checking us out. Then she had people call and say, well, you have an interested donor. We need to know. We need to know more, more, more. So we gave them more and more and more. And she proceeded to give us $50 million. One five? Five zero million. Five zero? Five, 50 million? Yep. Wow. So how many people, and then I'll get to you in a minute, uh, Mike. Uh, how many people um, have been liberated from medical debt by you? Uh, 5.4 million. <laughs> by the way, I've only met three of them. <laughs> Rob Call, this is a great story for Op-Ed News. <laughs> I hope he's listening. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he is. Absolutely. His, his ears have turned red uh, since uh, you came on. So uh, that's really amazing. All right, it's RIP Medical Debt. And you've liberated 5 million people from, from medical debt. That's 5.4. And, that and now that's a lot of people. Yes. And now I'm in another campaign. I created a a what they call public benefit corporation called Let's Rethink This. You know, what doesn't need rethinking? And I'm focusing now on veterans, veteran medical debt through the VA and veteran suicide. And that's why it's a radio program. Uh, you may have heard of Kerry Harrison. I love Kerry Harrison. I love that guy. Well, Kerry Harrison, we have a program called Rethinking Heroes on KPFK every Friday morning from nine to 10 drive time. 
And the purpose of that is to get the people on there, the thinkers, the people who know how to bring the solutions, not just bitch about the problems. That's what we're doing. Wow. Fantastic. Mike Hurst, go ahead, jump in, please. Uh, Jerry, I met you through Joel Siegel. I love him. Years ago. And it, who is this? My, uh, this is Mike Hirsch with Progressive Democrats of America. Oh, yes, Mike. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing great. Um, and I'm doing even better hearing those numbers. Thank if there's you. anything that makes my heart light and, and happy, because I think I speak for everybody, we, we hear a lot of complaining and a lot of people diagnosing problems. And that's <laughs> important. Diagnose, diagnosing a problem is very important. But when it come, comes to bitching and moaning and not any, you know, solving and doing, it gets depressing for me. And what you're, you're better than a million tablets of Prozac or whatever, because <laughs> of what, because what you're doing is, is bringing hope. And I'm, I'm your local dealer. You're that, a dealer, well, dealer for hope. It, yeah. You're, well, you, what, what is it? Dr. Feel good. <laughs> I mean, not, so I just, not Dr. Phil, Dr. Feel good. That better, better than a million Dr. Phil's and Dr. Oz's combined. Oh God! Um, because what you're doing is lifting people out of depression and hopelessness, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we all understand that medical debt or any debt like that, but especially medical debt because you've had a, a health situation which made it hard for a yeah. person to work, and often even insured people are not covered. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of the things, they pay the money every month. That's right. And they do not get the insurance <laughs> companies run away. They, it's like the 100 yard dash in the Olympics or 100 meter dash, I guess, nowadays. And they run away from their obligations. Yes. And here you are. And and but the the magic of this is that these people have been so beaten down. And incapable of paying back the debt because of what we just said and here you come along literally like a garden guardian angel and you lift that burden from them and you wipe that slate clean and i'm sure that those letters when people get them are life-changing yeah. and it's it's just absolutely wonderful what you're doing um a friend of mine steven spitz asked if you knew donna smith who was in the movie Sicko. No, um, well, she has been burdened by medical debt. Mm -hmm. She's had the most catastrophic series of, of health challenges, both her and her husband. And they're among the nicest, most wonderful people. So we'll try to um, get them together with you. And uh, But it, it's great to see you again, Jerry. Uh, I'm sure Joel would be here, but I was with him on Capitol Hill and he has to... Uh, get back to North Carolina, but I'll I'll take it the liberties of saying uh, he wishes you the best because I know he does, and thank you for all you're doing. It's just wonderful. Thank you. It so is mind-boggling, mind-boggling. Uh, thank you for that, Mike. Um, uh, Tataka, Tataka Bricka. Yeah, I came in a little late, so I missed the beginning, but I'll catch it later. Thank you so much, Jerry. What 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 a great story. So if I've got this right. You you raised about one one hundredth. You raised about eighty five million to do all this billion, okay? And it benefited five point four million people. So it costs you less than twenty dollars per person to liberate their debt. Yes, that's incredible. Well, on average, it's interesting about medical debt. <clears throat> it's not catastrophic. Medical debt could be one thousand dollars for a family. They will lose their home. They will lose jobs. They can't meet that. The average person can't come up with five hundred dollars of free money to be able to help you know, to handle a problem. I want to give you a couple of other things. As long as we're doing the outrageous bit, the outrageous the outrageous part is that when I started this, I was my um, my youth. I think it was my mid seventies <laughs> when I started this. So, so as part of this is ridiculous. Here's a guy. A former debt collector who walks, he walks into Occupy Wall Street as a debt collector. He walks out of Occupy Wall Street as a debt forgiver. Now, how ridiculous is that? You can't make up that story. And well, then, on top of everything else, even though I've been a very 
I would say by anybody's standards, a progressive, a liberal person, always caring about others. I wasn't overly active. I've been in marches. I've been in this and I've been that. But this was my first opportunity to be involved in something where everybody that was involved with it wanted it to disappear. We wanted to get rid of our, our charity because we didn't think it needed to be here. And that's what you guys are doing is changing that. Now, I want you to know that RIP is working on the policy level now. We're working upstream. I'm not just sweeping up after the parade anymore. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I have a Zoom. I want to be in touch with you, invite you to speak to ours as well, because we're working on policy level. And I, I just want to thank you, Harvey, because your show attracts incredible people with incredible stories like this. So well, thank we have uh, Eileen Proctor to thank for this. Uh, Eileen put me in touch with Jerry uh, a while ago, and it, it's such a mind-boggling. What happened to the, to the people? Uh, we had 60 people with us, by the way, and we are live streaming as well. What happened to the people who set out to do student debt? What happened to that? Uh, first, first of all, it was painful to lose that, that that company because we had meetings at in Occupy. We met at our apartment, my apartment, in order to do strategy and this and that. And it was heartbreaking when they said, no, we're going to do something else. And they started the uh, debt collective. And the debt collective has been very competitive with me. They've been able to abolish billions of dollars of student debt, which annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, come on. <laughs> By the way, how old are you now? Uh, 86. 86, cool. I got to tell you a quote from Leonard Cohen. In Leonard Cohen's um, fabulous, and if you ever want to listen to a Leonard Cohen album, listen to Live in London. And he got up there and he said, um, he was in his 70s, and he said about... 15, 16 years ago, when I just turned 60, I came to London to go on tour. I was just a kid with a crazy dream. <laughs> so I, I guess that was you when you were that, in your early years. Yes, thank you. Wonderful, Jerry. Wonderful. Does anybody, oh, Myla, Myla, you're on the stack somewhere? Myla. Yeah, here I am uh, with my May Day. Oh, there you are. I know Happy May Day, everybody. Oh, yeah, May Day. Happy May Day. I'm May Day. Anyway, at any rate, um, Jerry, I know you must have a lot of free time and attention. And so we also uh, invite you to get involved with RIP Nuclear Power. I'd be, yeah. I'd be in favor of that. And Let's shut them down. We could use your help. Yes, I'm on. See, Thank what, you. Oh, what, great. What, what, what am I going to do again? <laughs> yeah, you have to um, have a fund to invest in renewable energy. Yeah, you know, we have this, and we're going to talk about this in the second hour. We have this lunatic movie out by Oliver Stone, uh, a, a Nuclear Now, but we also have a movie called The Women of Three Mile Island. And what has to happen now is that money go, all the money we have, all the spare change has to go into renewables and especially battery breakthroughs, as yes. Ron Leonard is about to tell us. So, uh, Jerry, uh, let's talk to Ron Leonard. Ron, go ahead. Hey, Jerry, how, how are you doing? Uh, Harvey and I happened to be in New York City together unceremoniously on Earth Day, and I was explaining to him that I was on the original Earth Day in Manhattan, and I was with this group called Merry Pranksters. Yes. So what we're going to do is give you an honorary membership to Merry Pranksters because you built the biggest prank on this industry that I've ever heard of, and I congratulate you. Absolutely. Very good. And I want you to know I really pissed it's off. Just wonderful. And uh, the, the best part of the, yes. the joke, the best part of the joke is that you got away with it. Thank yes, you. and you're still getting away. I mean, I assume you're still doing this. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, we're we're going to hit uh, ten billion probably in the middle of this year, and maybe we can finish the year off with uh, eleven billion. And next year is our tenth anniversary of existence, so we'll have a big game. Wow. So do you, you were collect? about you were about to say you pissed off someone, Jerry, and then you, and then yeah, the debt collection industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you bit you bit the hand that fed you. Uh, uh, so, uh, do you? So Harvey do you and collect? I are about 
Harvey and I are about to piss off the utility industry by uh, relieving uh, ratepayers from their debt. Uh, price for electricity went up 17% on average for the United States and California went up 100% in uh, 10 years in New York State went up approximately 40% in some areas. So uh, I think maybe we can replicate your joke. I think I would see you do that. Let me put something in the. I'm putting, Please I'm put it in the chat. Yeah, from, your, from your mouth to God's ears. Uh, Justin LeBlanc and then Wendy Lederman. Justin? Am I complete? Uh, what do I do now? Uh, just hey, hold, stay with us. We got some questions. Okay. Hello, Jerry. Uh, so, um, thanks for uh, showing up here and giving us your story. And uh, in regards to all this money management, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on. Uh, a, Citizens United, and two, uh, there's a bill that Seattle created that allowed uh, to cut out those who have too much investment from foreign entities from participation in elections. And it's been running for two years now, uh, unchallenged even by Amazon, who had spent $1.5 million on city council, and that is now gone. Uh, and so the... They want to export it to other states uh, and other jurisdictions. And I'm wondering what your thought is in relation to, you know, debts. Uh, we have corporate overlords, right? How do we handle that? Well, that's a multifaceted question. Um, first of all, any organization that's doing good, and by that I mean really good as opposed to eco trips, they have my support 100%. Then I look to see. Uh, why aren't they getting out their word better? Uh, certainly Citizens United, everybody knows that. They've done a great job of getting the word out of that. The one in Seattle, I'm not so familiar with, but I'm aware of it. So to me, um, and here's how it works for me for both my, let's rethink it as well as RIP medical debt. Number one, if they don't know about you, they can't do anything about you. Number two, it's not that they know about you. It's not just that, it has to touch them. It has to anger them, it has to piss them off, it has to have them fall in love, it has to resonate with them, it has to touch their heart. So when you have an organization that uh, you become, somebody becomes aware of it and it's, it uh, touches them, then the next thing of course is education. And education, 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 whether it be websites or or I did the very first um, medical debt summit that was ever created. And that's not my world, but it had to be done. So things like that, education. And then once somebody is aware, touched, educated, the only thing left is action. And that's either going to the polls, that's either making a donation, that's showing up someplace, that sort of thing. I don't know if that's helpful to your question. Yeah, it is. It's great. Uh, Wendy, thank, thank you, Justin. Thank you for that. Wendy and Rob Call has a question. Wendy Lederman and Rob Call. Thank you so much, Jerry. This is one of the coolest stories that I have heard in so long. What you're doing is just absolutely heroic, and it just proves what can be done if people are creative enough. It's wonderful. And um, on the note of what you were just explaining about just kind of joining forces, like I really hope you'll come back like and keep joining us and just become a part of our group because there's so much to learn from you. And there are so many groups working on different things that um, is just really important to collaborate. I'll put one in the chat for somebody that was here a couple of weeks ago called um, Nonpartisan Reformers. And you just mentioned a moment ago, um, of getting people to the polls. I know um, several states, I'm in Florida, where a lot of craziness is happening. And um, I think certain issues like environment and the water and also healthcare is something that everyone can come together around and it transcends. So um, when there's certain states that are working on like ballot amendments and initiatives, I think we have one starting in Florida, that might be something to align with as well, because that gives fundamental rights to people, but it also gives people that might not come out to the poll a reason to go vote and, and, and activate. And so I just really wish you the best. I hope you keep coming back with us and just keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic and amazing. Thank you so much. Let me, yeah. do, a, let me do a riff on that before uh, Rob comes on. This is a very political item. I never thought medical debt would be a political item, but we all know it's a political item. 
And so I've aligned myself with different organizations, one of which is in North Carolina. I'm talking to people down there about having the, the Democratic Party abolish medical debt as part of their approach of getting attention, bringing awareness to it, not just the same preaching to the choir, but look, we're going to take care of everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm 100% behind, which is the second thing. Another revelation is that it's not about RIP medical debt. It's not even about what your guys are talking about, what your, what your, what your important work is. Nobody cares about you. They care about what you do. What's that impact going to be? And so the very first people that called me after John Oliver, I pick up the phone, and there's a mega church in Dallas, Texas. And the guy on the phone says to me, I heard about you all. Y'all on, on TV and something about medical debt. Could you tell me more about that? And in my regular English, I said, well, of course I can. And uh, he says, how much would $50,000 buy in medical debt? And I said, that's about $5 million. Okay. So he says, let me talk to some folks. I'll give you a call back. He calls me back in about 15 minutes. He says, we're going to make that 100000 do you have ten million? Do you have ten million dollars worth of medical debt in the Dallas area? And yes, there's billions of dollars worth of debt in every area. Okay, so we did. We did the research. We found the ten million dollars. They sent us a hundred thousand. They then took that that gift, and when did they announce it? Easter Sunday. There's some strange thing about forgiveness and Christians. I don't know what it is, but they got a thing. <laughs> So what happened is that the congregation went crazy. They were loving it, loving it. And then the local newspaper heard about it. So the newspaper had to come down. And then the TV station had to come down and film them because of this unusual approach to using their resources. Not about come to my church because what they did is they took the budget, marketing budget, to send out postcards to people to come to church. And they used that instead to abolish medical debt. How's that for a story? That was that's amazing. Do you have the guy's phone number by chance? <laughs> Are you Sorry. born again, brother? Yeah, you got it. Uh, Rob, call. Rob, did you want to ask something? Yeah, well, first, I, I would think that if they could notify all those people in their town whose debt they relieved, they might get a couple of people showing up at church. Uh, <laughs> strangely enough, that's exactly what happened. Because of the publicity, people came to that church because they wanted to understand what kind of a church would do that. That yeah. resonates with me. So everything that you guys are doing, May Day, this, that, let's rethink this. Every one of us needs to have people aware of us, but it ain't going to be saying, let me tell you more about myself. It's going to be, let me tell you, show you what we do and do it with us. Well, you know, I, think, I, I, I wrote a book. Go ahead, Rob. I did a radio show for about 12 years called the Bottom Up Show, and I wrote a book called Bottom Up Revolution. And, and what you're doing is a very bottom up thing, helping so many people this way. Yeah. I have a, a couple little questions. One, what percentage of the debt that can be bought at one cent on the dollar or have you been able to buy? And how much more is there possible? What's the, the total realm of, of that? Okay. And much of, what percentage of the total healthcare annual budget is is that that a part of okay what's a what's on the market not on the market what's owed by americans to hospitals right now is something like 80 billion dollars oh my god okay you've covered 10 percent of it that's correct it's incredible yes well, it took us 10 years but we're getting sharper here's what happened uh it used to be we could only go to debt buyers and debt buyers are people that go to the hospitals and they buy the debt from the hospital. You know, they go to some finance officer and say, I say, you got a hundred million dollars worth of nothing sitting in that filing cabinet. Uh, I'll give you mm, three or 4 million for it. That's cash, hundred percent of something. And so they sell that debt. And when the debt buyer gets it, they own it. They own you. They own your medical debt. They can call you. They can harass you. They can ask for every single penny you owe, even though they paid a nickel on it. 
So that's the that's how I subverted that industry. On top of that, I got tired of dealing with them. So we ended up getting a Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General. We got permission to go directly to hospitals. We don't even need them as a middleman anymore. Wow. But but the people who are buying that debt at three cents on the dollar or penny on the dollar, they're basically doing it so that maybe they can take 5% of those collections and make some money. So they can take that million dollars worth of debt and for $10,000, come back with $50,000, right? Yeah, that's how it works. What they do, they're numbers people. They're all, yeah. it's all, it's all Wall Street. It's all so Wall Street. I would think that if they have the other 95% that doesn't go anywhere, that makes it worth maybe a half a cent worth. They're, they're worth less, but it could, there, there's got to be like, is there a bottom to how little you can pay to get that debt? <laughs> well, yes. For example, uh, when we talk to these debt buyers, they've already run these people to the ringer a few times. So they know the damn debt. They harass them. They harass them. Legal. Terrorize. They terrorize them. Terrorize them. So here the people are. They ain't got the money. They'll never have the money. And the, the debt collector, because they sell that debt to debt collection agencies or even collect it on themselves. So the debt collector, they only collect maybe three, four, five, six percent of that portfolio but they've made their money two times over, three times over. So the government for $800 million a year could clear out everybody's debt like that. Now we're talking about human nature and we're talking about greed, aren't we? We're talking about, that offends me to think that we would actually abolish people's medical debt. What did they do to deserve that? I'm a, I'm a I hard- had to pay. Why shouldn't they? Yeah, just like student debt. Those those sucker sucker kids at the age of eighteen, they can't make a better decision than that. Well, I will say one thing about Medicare. My my parents uh, were pretty healthy most of their life, and then in their seventy fifth year, they got sick. They probably ran up a million dollars worth of medical bills. My parents did, but they had Medicare. And, you know, we, we, we are Lyndon Johnson for the war in Vietnam, but my mother's mantra at the end of her life was thank God for Medicare. If yes. it hadn't been for Medicare, I wouldn't have had a house and I couldn't have put my kids through college. Yes. So uh, and yet we, we have people, we have political parties that want to destroy that, that want to take it away from people. Yes, they're doing it. They're trying it right now. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take two more calls. And we're going to move on. Shauna Foster, you're with us to talk about global warming. Are you good for a while? Can you wait yeah. till after six or, or, or is your schedule tight? No, I'm good. Good. Okay. We'll start the second hour. We're going to start the second hour, by the way, with one of the funniest news stories I have ever read. It's going to be read to us by Tatanka Bricka. Um, <laughs> it, it's about, I, I, I'm going to give it away, but you will not believe this story in today's Los Angeles Times. It's about a woman who had an orgasm in the middle of a Los Angeles uh, Coliseum, <laughs> LA Phil at the, uh, at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Uh, and Tatanka and I were laughing about it earlier and he did a great dramatic reading of this news story. So we're gonna start with that at six o'clock. And then Shauna will do your talk on global warming. And then we're gonna have Charlie Komanoff uh, tell us about the crypto industry's in, incredible um, consumption of energy. And then uh, Kevin Camps will hopefully join us to talk to us about Ohio's incredible sinking nuke. So that's all in the second hour. Shauna, we appreciate your patience. So, uh, And if you have any medical debt, uh, go ahead and send it to Jerry. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Milo Reason and then Lynn Feinerman, please. Milo. And Jerry, then yes, thank you, Harvey. Um, you know, I, you may be aware of the fact, and most people here are, that um, the trans community is really uh, under attack. And in many states, medical care is out of their reach, partly because the uh, state legislatures in reactionary states have been um, not covering uh, care for um, the, the medical needs of trans people. And I'm just wondering. I know it isn't debt per se, 
But this is a group of uh, allies of ours who are just um, really under siege right now. And I'm just thinking about how somehow this uh, part of your work might be focused in a way to give them some relief when it comes to providing funding for medical care that is now out of their reach. And see, that, that becomes a campaign and campaigns are the way to go. A campaign has a beginning, middle and end. <laughs> the end is to raise that amount of money to be able to do a certain thing. And along the way in a campaign, the uh, raising awareness is the most important element. And uh, along with, of course, bringing people on board to do things. Um, I would say that in our Rethinking Heroes radio show, KPFK, we interview people who have solutions, like my campaign is a solution to the needs that trans people have or are going to have. And that's what we do is we take that and we turn it into a podcast or a video cast, which you can then use in fundraising and everything else. If that's helpful, that's that's my that's my approach to things. Great, great. Marla, did you want to add to that before we go to Lynn? No, thanks a lot. But, you know, um, Harvey and I uh, both had a show on KPFK called California yeah. Solartopia, and uh, which is focused not only on shutting down nuclear power, but also on um, bringing, you know, helping to um, to to bring into fruition a, a true, clean Solartopia. Uh, and um, anyway, maybe we can, Harvey can be in your show sometime. Um, yeah, well, Jerry, you should have uh, Marla, me, and uh, Ron Leonard, who's a founder of the uh, a Green Energy Movement, to talk about practical solutions to our energy situation. So you're, you're on. Just we'll, put our, we'll put our hat in the ring. Yeah, um, you know, you know how to read. I do. I do indeed. I, I got your uh, phone number off a, a wall in a doctor's office, actually. Um, uh, Lynn Feinerman, and then we're going to move on. Lynn? Okay. Yes. Hi, Jerry. Um, I'm wondering, I just saw that there is a um, an announcement that Janet Yellen has said that in June or, or by June 1st, the United States will have run out of cash, unless, of course, that was the onion and I didn't notice. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder... <laughs> I wonder what you uh, what your view is of that. Well, what is anybody's view about defaulting on something, a debt that you already know that has nothing to do with um, the need to go forward? It's paying the debt. It's paying the debt. So the the uh, anger that I would have or anybody would have is the misinformation and the disinformation that's fed to us constantly. Um, Really, the biggest challenge we're going to have going forward in America is figuring out who's telling the truth and <laughs> who's telling the truth. So what am I expecting? I'm expecting, knock on wood, that the Republicans uh, who are in the House will come to Jesus or Buddha or Moses or somebody and say, you know, this is about a stupid thing and, and get real about it. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, unfortunately, they're probably going to come to Jamie Dimon, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe we should start an organization to pay, you know, abolish America's debt and pay yeah. pay, pay off uh, one cent on the dollar on the national debt. But maybe that would work. Jerry Ashton, uh, what a what a joy to have you with us. Uh, you're going to come back at some point. Do people? Do you keep the letters that people? Do people send you letters of gratitude? Yeah, we that would have be a great book. We have and, a oh, it it, it's a store trove. Um, it really is. It'll bring it'll bring you to tears. Well, I think you should publish anonymously, of course, take their names off, but publish their stories. Unless you already got them here, Steve has put up a uh, a website. Store mm -hmm. R.I.P. Medical Debt. There you go. Everybody, yep. for a feel good, uh, we should go to RIP Medical Debt. And don't forget, we'll have you back. And don't forget, go to letsrethinkthis.com so I can start publicizing you. All right, great. And, and Myla, uh, Ron, and I will join you on your uh, Friday morning show or whenever it is. So we'll connect. Thank you.
and thank you, Eileen Proctor, for leading us to you. We uh, we have a couple of things I want to say to my oh hi Sheila. Uh, we want to say to my my um, listeners on KP on on national uh, uh, <laughs> sorry um, Progressive Radio Network uh, who've been listening. This has been the 120 135th uh, Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition meeting. As always, we rebroadcast on Gary Knowles' uh, Progressive Radio Network. Uh, we're about to sign off, so thank you. Uh, uh, Dylan and um, Rodney for, for running the show. Steve Caruso and Mike Hirsch and Wendy Lederman, our, our co-conveners, along with Myla, thank you so much. And um, uh, stay stay tuned. If, if you want to see the second hour about coming up, uh, go to electionprotection2024.org and you'll see the posting. We're going to talk for at least another hour about various issues, including energy, especially, and the environment. Uh, so thank you all for that. Jerry Ashton, again, it's been a pleasure. And uh, keep on keeping on. We really appreciate it. And I'd love to see and hear some of those testimonials. We did advertise, thank you again, we did advertise in today's um, a flyer that we were going to talk about uh, Zoe Zephyr. I saw uh, Zoe Zephyr uh, uh, talk uh, to the Montana legislature, of, she, of which she has been a member about uh, trans issues, and they threw her out. You know, they, they, these legislators, not legislators, you know, Tennessee threw out the two guys uh, uh, demanding uh, that they deal with uh, gun control. And now Zoe Zephyr, who's been talking about um, trans issues, she's been thrown out. It's outrageous what they're doing. People cannot handle the truth, as Jack Nicholson said, in an officer and a gentleman. So, um, uh, when, I have put out a feeler to her. I, I hope uh, Zoe Zephyr will come on and join us at a future um, um, a Greek gathering. But, you know, um, uh, it would be an honor to have Zoe Zephyr with us. So we, we look forward to that happening. Uh, and I hope to hear back from, from Zoe soon. Uh, Wendy Lederman in the, uh, in the fascist state of Florida, uh, we want to get, since you are, you have your hand on the pulse of of uh, 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 Ron DeSantis, um, um, he has been fingered, I would say, um, as having been a torturer at Guantanamo. And uh, it's one of the most astounding um, of, of things I've read for quite a while. Can you tell us a bit about the latest horror show from Ron DeSantis and then also about Cop City in Atlanta? And then at the top of the hour, we're going to transit over to our L.A. Phil story, and then Shauna Foster will fill us in on global warming and Charlie Komenoff on the energy use of Bitcoin. I'll go ahead, Wendy, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's like there's some bad jokes and a finger on the pulse of DeSantis when it's like, just is he really, is there a pulse there? I'm trying to find it. I don't know. I'm trying to find the heart in any of this. Um, I, I, there's a story that has come out a few, a, in a couple times. It keeps un, unraveling, and it kind of explains a little bit of the the heartless nature of some of the actions we've seen that are just beyond conscience. So, um, some former detainees at Guantanamo, and keep in mind of like the seventy something people that were held at Guantanamo were never even charged with crimes. I think only like eight people were ever were ever charged or found guilty of anything. So it's just an illegal um, war crime that had existed in the first place. And in 2006, DeSantis was a naval JAG officer and um, he was basically a lawyer assigned to make sure that um, there were no human rights abuses. And now these detainees, yeah, and now these detainees are um, coming out when they started seeing his face as the governor, they're like, oh my God, that's the guy that was overseeing my torture. So um, he he might not necessarily, yeah. Like when they were being held on um, being force fed and um, I'm not really clear on exactly the extent, like I know that they were fed like insurance. They were, a lot of times they were like on hunger strike um, protesting on um, being there. And some of them were like 18 years old. Like they were kids when they were there. And there's some really gruesome stories of other ways that they were force fed that are unconventional to say the least. Um, I'm not sure that DeSantis was there for that. I'm not unsure he wasn't, but he was there to make sure that 
that these abuses would not happen. And um, one guy came forward and he's like, that's the guy that was standing there laughing, watching me be tortured and we're crying and screaming. And he's, he's laughing. And then another one. It's not, oh my God, look at that. It's not often that we see Ron DeSantis laughing, right? 